This is the Dead Dance by none other than Ariana uh, Ariana Savalas. I have become a big fan of Ariana's music. I have to tell you, about a year ago, I was totally ignorant to any of Ariana's work, but I did a whole commentary on the radio uh, talking about her father, the uh, dearly departed actor, Telly Savalas, who I was a huge fan of, not only his work on Kojak, but his work in a lot of great motion pictures like uh, Kelly's Heroes and uh, some of the uh, one of the James Bond films, a number of other terrific films, uh, The Dirty Dozen, the list goes on and on. And John Katsimatidis, our owner, reaches out to me and says, you know, you should have on Telly Savalas' daughter, Ariana. She's a great person and a terrific singer. And uh, sure enough, I can't vouch for the first part because I this is the first time we've spoken. But so far, I can absolutely vouch for the second part. She's got a new album just out last week. Uh, Ariana Savalas, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Hi, Frank. How are you? It's great to talk with you. I love having you on the West Coast, so it's not such oh. a, an uncivilized time for you. Oh my gosh! Are you kidding? For a cabaret performer, this is lunchtime, so it's, it's perfect. <laughs> it's well, just I, about to get a little early snack. I love it. I want to ask you about uh, being a cabaret performer and uh, and doing uh, burlesque. Now, I, I'm sure you probably get tired of being asked about uh, about your dad all the time, and I'm I'm sorry to add to it, but I, I know that you passed away when um, I mean, excuse me, God forbid that uh, he your dad passed away <laughs> when you were only seven years old. Uh, do you have a lot of memories of of your dad that's such a a young age especially to lose your dad well first there's no need to apologize because you know he died almost 30 years ago now he would have been 101 this year he was born in 1922 so the fact that he was so beloved that people are still talking about him and loving him and adoring him decades after his death i mean I don't think there's anything more you could possibly want as a kid. So please don't apologize for that. I, I, I will never shut up about my dad. I absolutely love talking about my dad. So, um, And as far as memories are concerned, you know, how many real solid memories do you have from when you were mm. seven? Um, you know, I, I always tell everybody I remember my father the way that I remember amazing dreams that I've had, that they are very vivid and very you know, they're more feelings than they are concrete memories. But, um, you know, for seven years, I had the best dad in the world. I mean, he was just an absolute pussycat. So, you know, the the memories that I do have of him, I really cherish. I wouldn't trade them for anything. Do you have, uh, have you gone back and watched his work? And if you have, is there anything that uh, that's a particular favorite of yours? Oh yeah, uh, the the Birdman of Alcatraz mm. is my favorite film of his, one of my favorite films. Even if he wasn't in it, well, actually, I think it would be a completely different film if he was in it. He was such an amazing um, part of it. But uh, Birdman of Alcatraz is, has been one of my favorite films for for decades. Um, I just love that movie, um, and then I just love you know seeing him be a pussycat on you know being you know Bond villain on Her Majesty's Secret Service is always so fun. You know, I, I love. He was so versatile as an actor. Um, you know, he's so funny, but also so incredibly full of depth uh, to play roles like um, like he did in in Birdman. It's just it's an amazing versatility, especially for someone who never studied acting. It's pretty. 
pretty incredible. Yeah, I was just talking with Andrew Giuliani, who obviously is the child of someone famous. I've had this conversation with Ooh, nice. uh, with John Gotti Jr. I've had this conversation with um, with uh, John R. Gambling. Everybody that that I've ever spoken to who's been the um, the child of someone famous, and then tried to craft a career in a similar business. I would think with your last name, and you made the conscious decision to keep your last name rather than to choose a stage name as other singers have, with your last name, on, on it has to be sort of tough because there must be all these heightened expectations as an actress, as a performer, as an entertainer, being the daughter of one of the most iconic actors of all time. Yeah, but, well, you know, my my mom would always say to me when when I'd feel self conscious about it, especially at the very beginning of my career, um, you know, there, and and I think I was right to feel self conscious because I I do think there is an enormous privilege that comes with being the the child of of any celebrity, even if that celebrity is passed. Um, you know, people will just be interested, even you know, forget about getting you parts or anything like that. They'll just be interested to see if you suck or not. Right. Um, and that interest is a privilege, right? It's a privilege that somebody from you know the outskirts of Nebraska trying to make it as an actor doesn't doesn't have. So it's an enormous privilege, and, and, you know, and a gift. And um, it was a gift that I felt, you know, um, really guilty about having, especially at the beginning of my career, because I thought. Oh, people are only coming to see my shows because of my dad, and uh, you know, people are only doing this or that because they want to see. She's like, yeah, there's probably a, a handful of people who are just coming to see if you're terrible, <laughs> to see if you know if you're any good. But you know, you can't create a career that way. Um, you know, it it can get you uh, an open door, but if you suck, they're going to kick you right back out of it. So. You know, there's 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 so much pressure that every actor, every performer um, faces. This was just a particular pressure um, that was personalized to me. Mm. Um, But I don't think my struggle was any better or worse than anything else. If anything, it's just an enormous, an enormous privilege to, uh, you know, to have a last name of someone who was so beloved. I can imagine. Hey, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Ariana Savalas. Uh, she's an actress, a singer, a songwriter, a burlesque performer. And uh, her website, if you want to learn more about what she's doing, is uh, arianasavalas.com. That's A-R-I-A-N-A, savalas.com. And uh, you can see some music videos on there, some songs, some great photos. Uh, Ariana, I'm wondering, your dad did try his hand at singing from time to time. As far as I know, he never tried his hand at uh, being a uh, cabaret performer or the world of burlesque. But I'm wondering, as somebody that uh, has built a, a pretty successful career for yourself as a singer, what what review do you give to your dad's forays into singing? What review do I give? Yeah, oh have you heard God, some of the songs an, that he's saying? Plus, I mean, he had a gold record in Germany for literally just talking his way through an old bread song. <laughs> he's such a pussycat. He, you know, he could read to the newspaper and get a gold record. Um, you know, he had such a, a smooth, velvety voice, and he actually had a really lovely singing voice. Uh, a very beautiful voice that ran in our family. My my late uncle uh, Constantine Gus was was also an operatic singer. So there was a lot of talent in the Savalas family, and he also happened to have a lovely voice, released records, and had a really, really beautiful tone. 
Um, I don't think it was what he was most known for, um, unless you're the Germans who, uh, between him and David Hasselhoff, I think <laughs> they made an absolute killing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, you've been uh, performing for a while now. I've become a, a fan of uh, a whole bunch of your songs. Uh, tell me oh, about... Uh, oh, no, sure thing. Tell me about your new album, Drama, which uh, just dropped a week or two ago. My my album drama is a, a collection of music that has done nothing but give me misery and heartache. So there really was no other appropriate title that I could name the record. It's just it's just you know from writing the music to recording the music. It's just the 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 material is very very dark and depressing, which is one of the reasons that I love cabaret so much. You know, and and why I love production so much is that you can take these pretty miserable songs. I, I, I don't write a lot of happy music. I wish I could be someone like, you know, Natasha Bedingfield and make a make millions of dollars out of being happy. But unfortunately, um, all that comes to me when I'm at the piano is is, uh, is pain and misery. So, um, you know, the songs, uh, the lyrics of the songs are, are pretty dark, but the production of the songs is, is very, very anthemic, uh, glamour, cabaret rock. <laughs> we really took a lot of inspiration from the production, from all of my idols, um, you know, alt-rock legends like Peter Gabriel and Queen and David Bowie and real, I mean, cabaret performers, nobody else calls them cabaret performers, but for me, they're uh, their music's production and, um, you know, the way that they presented themselves visually is is so burlesque and cabaret inspired. And um, we incorporate a lot of that into the into the record. So it had to be called drama. The um, why do you think the so many of the songs that you end up writing and performing are sad in nature? What, what are you trying to work out? You know, it's it's one of the reasons that I gravitated towards cabaret and burlesque. You know, the the history of cabaret is is actually pretty dark uh, politically, and I think I always loved the idea of taking the miserable elements of my life, more particularly my my love life, in in, in years past before I met my my now boyfriend. Um, but before that, it was a it was just a, a laundry list of of, of lunacy and. For me, it was always just such a wonderful, cathartic thing to be able to take whatever horrible, um, you know, relationship that that had gone awry or something that had happened, uh, and and turn the pain into something beautiful and glamorous and sparkling and feathers. And you know, a lot of the songs that I perform in my burlesque show, if you really listen to the lyrics, they're miserable as hell. Uh, but you'd never know because, you know, we're in a, you know, a feather outfit with sequins and Swarovski crystals and telling jokes and singing songs and playing ukuleles. So people don't, um, you know, they don't leave bummed out, even though a lot of the themes that we're talking about are, are um, you know, heartache and, and love lost and, and all of that. All of that depends. Absolutely. <laughs> now, you have uh, toured with uh, Postmodern Jukebox. You've been a headlining performer with uh, with them, and I just love them. Uh, Haley oh, Reinhardt, who uh, is another one of my favorites, she's an alumnus of, uh, of Postmodern Jukebox uh, as well, and a uh, big fan Angel. of hers. 
But she's you, incredible. Oh, uh, I mean, you talk about uh, just an incredible voice. We're going to have to have her on the show again uh, oh, soon. A one of a kind voice. Oh, I, no, that's for nobody's sure. Like, I can pick her voice out of a million singers. Same here. I Same was just here. watching. Uh, oh, I was just watching Sex Life on Netflix. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> it's uh, this hilarious show. Um, it's uh, it's it's very raunchy, very naughty, and all of a sudden, I just hear this beautiful songbird over about six different sex scenes, and I'm like, it's Haley! Oh my god! Oh, that's very funny. <laughs> I'm so sure wonderful. she appreciated that. I'm sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was a, a lovely soundtrack. So uh, a few years ago. You started um, infusing your music into a, a burlesque performance. You mm-hmm. have uh, performed in Las Vegas, and it's really a very interesting, uh, a very interesting uh, amalgamation of different art forms that you use as part of burlesque. It's not really burlesque as we might have thought about it in the 1920s or 1930s. It's something very different. Explain to people exactly what you do with your burlesque performances? Oh, wow. How long do you have? Um, <laughs> well, what we like to do is, yeah, you know, the, the first burlesques that I produced um, were with dear friends of mine who were amazing musicians and performers, dancers. And for me, you know, I think a lot of musicians feel the most comfortable just sitting in front of people with a guitar or at the piano. Um, for me, the most myself I ever feel as a songwriter is expressing my music that I write in a very theatrical way. So every song that I write, the first thing that I think about is the way that we would reenact it almost as a mini musical on stage. And so then that's really the way that I look at burlesque. You know, there, there are elements of seduction and striptease and, you know, making fun and comedy out of, you know, sensual scenarios. And that's always a really, really fun element to it. But at the end of it, it's really just songwriting being told in an, in a fantastical, larger than life sort of way that I always thought that these relationships deserved. Um, You know, it just being at the piano just wasn't enough. Sometimes I had to you know, b- big feelings and big emotions deserve big productions and uh, and and big hilarious theatrical scenarios to play them out, and that's why burlesque is so much fun. Yeah, no, well said. Uh, we're talking with uh, Ariana Savalas. You've been described by uh, Las Vegas Magazine as the musical burlesque queen and the mistress of the modern Moulin Rouge. Both of those very high praise. Both of those art forms, burlesque and Moulin Rouge, they do deal, as you just alluded to, with a degree of sensuality, with a degree of sexuality, and uh, more than an occasional degree of nudity. How comfortable are you in terms of, uh, of uh, incorporating nudity as a part of your public performances? Well, I think uh, my Google image search history would probably <laughs> be a good indication, Frank. <laughs> my, my, my family's embarrassment level is another barometer. Um, but you, you were know, the first I, guest where I had to tell my wife I read Google just for the <laughs> articles. Don't Instagram me. I, I <laughs> you'll be sorely disappointed. Um, you know, it's it's funny that you that you asked that because I I grew up in a um, a Catholic all girls convent school. So the the high school that I went to was 
quite literally the convent of the visitation, right? So, um, and and the reason that 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 I bring that up is because I was a very very good girl um, all through high school, all through my early twenties. You would. I, I don't even know if I could tell you on the radio because I've you know known you all of five minutes, but uh, use your imagination to really, really understand that I was a just a very, very, very good girl. And music was the way that I could express my sexuality in a way that was safe, right? Because I was never going on dates. I wasn't going out with guys. I wasn't, I wasn't exploring anything because I was too afraid to. And I was very, um, you know, very kept to myself in my personal life, which you would just never know if you saw me on stage. And that was all. And that's really, I think where I became a burlesque performer is because that was always just the fun, creative, no strings attached. No one's heart is getting broken. no, you know, biblical sins are being violated, mm. you know, it was just a, a wonderful place for me to, to explore my sexuality and also to not take it too seriously. And sure. I think that's one of the things that I love most about burlesque. You know, I was just performing with Dita Von Teese, uh, this past week. Um, and she's just, oh my God, what an unbelievable performer. She's so beautiful and, and such a, such a class act. And she has this incredible diverse array of performers that that tour with her and I was emceeing her show and you know someone like Dirty Martini she's a um, a New York um, uh, legend in in burlesque and um, she really just she gets the audience to laugh um, at, you know and and she has such a sensual act but there's so much comedy in it and I think there's something that just spoke to me so much about just you know after having such a a strict, um, you know, religious upbringing with sexuality all through my, you know, high school years. And, and for years after that, um, there was such a wonderful freedom to just be able to laugh in a song in front of thousands of people. It's just kind of a very lovely cathartic experience for me. Oh, I can imagine. Uh, that's mm-hmm. terrific. Are you, uh, are you performing anywhere uh, live soon that people might be able to come see you? Well, not anywhere nearby. I am going to be, so I've, I've been on tour for the past year and a half straight without a break. So right now I'm on a little bit of a hiatus. I just got finished uh, performing with Zita, which was amazing. Um, and then uh, I'm going to be doing a few shows here and there, but my real tour is going to be starting in June. And I'm going to be in London for three months performing at... Oh just an incredible uh, burlesque, um, just a legendary place called the Windmill in Soho in London. And I'll be um, an artist in residency headlining their show for, for 12 weeks. So so that'll be really fun. I haven't even announced that yet. So you're the first to hear it. Wonderful. But, well, um, we're also going to be coupling that with a U.S. tour. So definitely, definitely very soon to, uh, tour dates will be announced. And look, um, I, you got to come back because I, I have a ton of other stuff that I could ask you about, but we're just about out of time. Let me just ask you. Sure. Let me just ask you this last year it was the it was reported this week that last year was the first year in decades that vinyl records have outpaced cd sales tell me as what you tell me what you see as the future of 
how people are enjoying music. Is your record on vinyl? Uh, do you see vinyl's uh, dominance in terms of a non-digital form of medium continuing to grow? Or is this basically a reflection of most people get their music digitally now and uh, records and CDs are in sort of a race to the bottom? Tell me how you view the music industry and how people are going to be consuming music going forward. Well, you know, I'm no expert, Frank, but as an artist, I can just say how truly grateful I am that that patrons of art and music are are paying for music, right? Because there was just such a, um, you know, there was such a long time where I think that people are so used to everything being, um, you know, free. You could rip everything off online and this and that. And um, especially for indie artists like me, um, you know, I can't tell you how grateful we are. I don't honestly couldn't care less the way that you stream my music, whether you, um, you know, you listen to it on Apple music or title or whether you, uh, purchase a CD or whether you come to my live stream shows or you come to my, uh, you know, shows in person and, and buy a record that I'm happy to sign for you. It's just, you know, especially, especially indie artists, I think, you know, people don't realize just how much it means to us when, um, you know, when people go out of their way to, to purchase music, um, it's it's what's going to keep it alive, especially in a generation of of TikTok and social media where um, a lot of entertainment comes very quickly and for free. And so there's the risk of uh, beautiful music and art and creativity being cheapened or being demonetized. And then, you know, again, I don't. I don't necessarily think of artists as very greedy sure. people. I think. Uh, I think the last profession you would choose uh, if you really, really wanted to make a, a crap ton of money is is being anything in the arts, and and, and you hope to get really lucky, but you just kind of uh, assume that uh, you know that's not going to be your your number one priority. But um, you know, I think that this new generation, especially, um, and also uh, fans of mine of all ages, have really gone out of their way to you know, to, to stream and to, and to buy online and to come to my shows. And, um, I speak for every artist that I know when I say that just people making that small effort to not just look at things for free or to rip things off or to, you know, go online and, and, and really just support, uh, you know, artists, especially indie artists is just, I, I personally could, could care less how people, listen to music as long as it continues to to be something that's celebrated and that people are willing to pay for not just because you know um you know because i i believe that they should but also just so that artists can make a living and keep making music that um you know that people enjoy which is so important um ariana i've really enjoyed this i hope we can do this again soon and uh, i hope to see you perform live sometime soon thank you i We'll get your booty to London. We'll we'll put your front row. You'll <laughs> Sound- get an Eiffel. Bring your wife. <laughs> Sounds good. We may uh, we may take you up on that. Uh, Ariana Cervales, uh, check her out at uh, her website arianasavales.com. That's Ariana with one N. Thank you very much. We'll we'll talk again soon. I appreciate it. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can do so at 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Meantime. I can't have a conversation that involves Telly Savalas without at least thinking of the film Kelly's Heroes. We're going to have a lot of fun here. Aren't we, cowboys? 
You can bet your boots on that, partner. Sergeant, partner. Right, Sarge. All right. Go. Yeah. I think I've got the crabs. We're going to boil our laundry. We're going to set up a little shower area so we can wash our cute little bodies. Right, Barbara? Barbara. Shut up. Shave. A little wine, women, and song. A little Chiquita for you, Pachuca, okay? It's going to take a little time to get organized, but I want that farmhouse to look like a nightclub. Little Joe, I want you to set up a bar. We ain't got no booze. We ain't got no booze. Well, we're going to get some booze. Now, I'm going to go down to Battalion, see if I can lay my hands on some dirty movies, and when I come back, I want that farmhouse not only clean, but completely decorated. Do you understand that? All right, Corporal, follow out. Let's get moving. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.